With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC on a Friday before Liverpool take on Tottenham Hotspur in the Premier League at the Tottenham Stadium on Sunday. Now, we have a scouted up for Tottenham and there is a rivalry con for Tottenham. So there's no point in me really going over too much other than to point out the injury situation as we know it to be right now. So for Tottenham, no Youngman son, no Kulisevsky, no Christian Romero, and no Richarlison. There's a possibility Kulisevsky makes the bench, but I wouldn't imagine much more than that. The other three are definitely out. They're huge blows, especially Kuti Romero and Youngman Son. Son, for me, is the best player at Spurs. I know he's not having a great season, but I think he's the best player they have. And Romero, after Van Dijk, I'm not sure there's a better centre-back in the league than Romero. I think he's that good. So, with them missing both of those two, that's a huge advantage for us. Now, we have our own injury problems, obviously. Um... No Luis Diaz. He's out until after the World Cup, as we know. No Diogo Jota. He's out until after the World Cup. And the same thing goes for Artur. Naby, they're hoping to have back for the Derby game. That might be his first action of the season. Milner can't play because he went through the concussion protocol. This does raise questions about how Milner sustained a head injury, sat through all of half time and was allowed to retake the field. This brings the question once again of when are we going to start taking this issue seriously? Footballers cannot be allowed to look after their own welfare because they all want to play, especially older heads like Milner, always want to play. The Premier League, the FA, UEFA and FIFA all need, along with the governing bodies of every other league, to get together and come to some sort of arrangement on how we're going to deal with this issue. 
And I've said before, my solution to it will be to have an independent doctor at every game. And I know there's cost involved in that, but we're talking about player safety here. And there's more than enough money floating around in the football sphere to cover this. More than enough. An an independent doctor only there for head injuries who assesses the player. You can make a temporary concussion substitute while the player is being assessed. And the doctor, and only the doctor, makes the decision on whether or not that player is allowed to carry on. Not his manager, not his club's medical staff, and certainly not the player himself. The doctor is the only person who should make that decision. And if the player can't continue, then the cushion substitu- concussion substitution that was made just becomes a permanent change, but doesn't affect your five substitutions. For me, it's the only way to properly manage this because somebody is going to get badly hurt and we are going to, I guarantee it, we are going to see rising numbers over the next 15 years of ex-footballers being diagnosed with CTE, with dementia, with early onset Alzheimer's and a myriad of other head injury related issues. Post-concussion syndrome is real. As someone that's been through it, it is horrendous. And I wish it had people that looked after me when I got a whole host of concussions playing rugby in my teens and early 20s that still cause me headaches to this day, that have me worried about what my future will be. I wish there'd been people who looked after us back then Now there's an opportunity in a much richer sport for these players to be looked after. It is time we started to look after these players. James Milner might be old in a footballing sense, but he's still a young man. He's got young kids. He wants to enjoy his life after football. He wants to be able to watch his kids grow up to lead a long and healthy life. Him and many others are at risk if we don't take these things seriously and do it really soon. Uh, Henderson's back. Matip, they think, probably next weekend for Southampton. So not ideal, not an ideal situation for this game. But look, it is what it is. We just need to get through this game, get through Southampton, then there's the break. The Derby game is kind of irrelevant because it is the... League Cup, and we shouldn't be worrying ourselves with the League Cup this year. Moving on. Virgil van Dijk appeared on Gary Neville's The Overlap. The episode was released yesterday. The 19 questions had been released a couple of days before to set the stage. This was a 37-minute sit-down, basically, between the two of them. Neville and van Dijk discussing a whole raft of things from, you know, Virgil growing up to his relationship with Klopp, the path he took in football, how it is that Virgil van Dijk, with his size and skill set, went unnoticed until Celtic picked him up. And then they discussed Jamie Carragher. And van Dijk made what many people are trying to make out to be a controversial statement. 
He said that Jamie Carragher wouldn't get in the first 20 of the current Liverpool squad. He pointed out Liverpool's strength and depth at centre-back, himself, Joel, Ibu, and Joe Gomez. He seemed to want to emphasise how good Ibu and Joel were in particular. And he said Carragher wouldn't get in the team. So this has led to a lot of people to say, oh, well, Carragher was a much better defender than Joe Gomez. Well, yes and no. As a defender, no question. Carragher was a better defender. Carragher read the game at a very high level, very tough, very diligent, good anticipation, good positional sense, strong in the challenge. But think about what a Jurgen Klopp centre-back is. They're big and they're quick. And Carragher's neither. Carragher's 5'11", 6 foot. And once got out-sprinted by Stefan Ancho, who might be the slowest player I've ever seen in my life. Carragher would not play centre-back for this Liverpool team. He would get eaten alive in the high line. He's not big enough. He's not quick enough. Not for Klopp. Klopp would never have bought Joe Gomez. Joe Gomez is too small for a Jurgen Klopp centre-back. Jurgen Klopp, Klopp centre-backs have a type. Nevan Subotic, Mats Hummels, Virgil van Dijk, Joel Matip, Ibu Kanate. They're big and they're quick. But that's not to say that Carragher couldn't have played for this Liverpool team. Think about Car- Carragher's attributes. Like I said, read the game at a very high level. Great positional sense. Strong and clever in the challenge. Dogged, determined, a grafter. Someone who played above his natural skill level. That's the type of player Jurgen Klopp likes. He likes grafters. He likes guys who go that extra mile. It's one of the reasons that Jordan Henderson and James Milner have had careers is because they've worked incredibly hard to overcome the technical limitations to their game. They've played way above their talent. If they'd played to the level of their talent, they'd have had careers in mid-table. But Carragher was a better defensive player than either of them. And Carragher had more tangible skills than either of them. He was also a better leader than either of them, regardless of what fluff and bluster people want to put forward in in their defence. Carragher's game is quite similar to Fabinho's game. Now, he's not Fabinho on the ball, but off the ball, Fabinho's not the quickest, he's not the most mobile. But he reads the game really well. He's got a great sense of position, a great awareness of space. He's dogged. He times his tackles really well. Carragher would have been a six. Now, maybe not a starting six. In fact, definitely not a starting six because of Fabinho. But he would have been a decent backup. There's... An idea that Carragher was bad on the ball. That's just not true. He wasn't 
like he wasn't Beckenbauer on the ball. He wasn't Barese on the ball. But Carragher was a decent ball playing centre back because he picked the right option. Other than that little hop, skip, and lofted long ball that used to wreck everybody's head, Carragher was decent on the ball. He was a good passer. He took the right decision. He was happy to fire the ball into midfielder's feet. Carragher would have been a backup six under Jurgen Klopp. Carragher broke into the Liverpool team as a holding midfielder. So while Virgil is correct to say Carragher wouldn't get close to this team as a centre-back because he's not big enough and he's not quick enough, he would get in the match day 20. He would get in as the backup six without a shadow of a doubt. His tangible abilities would get him there. His intangibles would keep him there because they're the type of thing that Klopp rates and values very highly in the group. Now, Carragher fired back a little bit on this by posting a graphic of the most clean sheets for Liverpool, first 200 appearances for the club. And number one is Pepe Reina, who was obviously... Carragher's goalkeeper. Number four on the list is Allison. 12 clean sheets between them. Now, let's look at the first season where Pepe and Allison were at Liverpool. So 05 06 versus 18 19. League games. Liverpool conceded 25 goals but only scored 57 goals because Liverpool were primarily a defensive team under Rafa Benitez. Alisson, first season, 22 goals conceded while scoring 89 because Klopp's team is a more attacking team, a more adventurous team, a more risk-taking team than Rafa's team. Let's have a look at the second season that both spent at the club. Liverpool conceded 27 goals in the 06-07 season. But again, they only scored 57 goals. In Allison's second season, they conceded 33 goals, but scored 85 And if we remember, at the end of that season, when the title was already wrapped up, Liverpool conceded a raft of goals. When football came back, Liverpool's defensive record was outstanding. But in the, was it the last nine games that we had after the lockdowns were lifted? Four, six, seven, eight, twelve. Liverpool conceded 12 goals in the last nine games, well above their average to that point. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters 
all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. So despite playing in a superior attacking team, Allison's goals against record is every bit as good as Reynas, if not better. Clean sheets are an odd metric because <clears throat> if you remember the season where Liverpool almost won the league under Brendan Rodgers, defensively, they were a bit of a train wreck. That season, Liverpool conceded 50 goals in the league. But Reina kept one, two, three, four, five, sorry, Mignolet, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten clean sheets in the league. Is that 12 clean sheets? Hang on, let me count that again. One, two, three, four, five, Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It is ten clean sheets in that season, but conceded 50 goals, which means he conceded 50 goals in 28 games, which is less than ideal and might give you some explanation as to how we didn't win the league that season. City, by comparison, scored one goal more than us, 102 versus 101, but conceded 13 less. That's why they won the league that year. Clean sheets aren't the best metric to use. Goals conceded are. And in the first season that both players were at the club, Ali conceded less goals than Pepe. Ali also finished second in the league and won a European Cup. Uh, Pepe finished third in the league and did not win a European Cup knocked out of said European Cup by Chelsea. No, we got the... We didn't lose to Chelsea that year. Who did we lose to? Was it Chelsea? 5 6 It was 5 6 wasn't it? That they knocked us out? Benfica, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chelsea knocked us out. Oh, Benfica knocked us out. You're right. You're right. It was Benfica. They beat us... 3-0 in aggregate. 3-0 in aggregate. Yeah, sorry, that's my bad. Um, we'd been in the group with Chelsea, is what it was that year. Because we got Chelsea every year in the European Cup for, what, three or four years in a row? Um, so Ali conceded less goals in a more attacking team, a more high-risk team, and, um, you know, had a lot more success. Anyway, moving on. Main Liverpool websites today. There is a piece on This Is Anfield about Conrad Lamer. Look, Conrad Lamer is a good player, but he's not someone that we should be looking at as a starter. As a utility squad player, brilliant. Milner replacement, absolutely. Absolutely. But not as a starter. Um, 
there's a piece about Jürgen getting the freedom of Liverpool that I mentioned yesterday. There's a video going around of him singing You'll Never Walk Alone, which is quite fun. Uh, there's a piece on the rumoured home kit for next year. Throwback to a classic 90s kit. I wouldn't really call it a classic, to be honest. I didn't really like the Reebok kits, if I have to be honest. Uh, Jurgen Klopp explains Liverpool head injury protocol after Milner blow. Uh, I hate this subject. Jurgen Klopp dismisses questions on World Cup injuries. Do you know what? Credit to Jamie Carragher here. Because he's the only pundit who has... He's the only pundit with the testicular fortitude to come out and criticise both the timing of the World Cup and the treatment of players. We're seeing more and more players now getting ruled out through injury. Timo Werner, the latest to be ruled out with an ankle injury. That is a crushing, crushing blow for him. And I I think it really needs to be talked a bit more. And Carragher, and to be fair, Thierry Henry on CBS, they have both expressed their frustrations about it. Now, I don't know if CBS have the rights to show World Cup games this year. Um, uh, American viewers or listeners will, will know. But for me, it's good to see pundits actually having a pop at this. There's plenty of journalists who are showing the same type of bravery It'd be really nice if we heard it more and more because all things considered, this World Cup is a sham. Um, Jurgen Klopp acknowledges Fabinho's struggle after a clear sign of revival. It's it's good to see Jurgen acknowledge the struggle. It'd be nice to see him acknowledge the piss poor form of others, but you know, certain players appear to be. Uh, above any kind of criticism. Liverpool transfer guru struck scouting goal twice as Alison Becker meets familiar rival. That's on liverpool.com. Liverpool can get unlikely new James Milner as 9.4 million FSG contract call rests on two conditions. I think this is about Bobby. I'm not going to bother reading it. Um... Four things that will definitely happen as Liverpool close in on Jude Bellingham transfer. Really don't think we're closing in on any such thing. Uh, Liverpool have another Luis Suarez for Jurgen Klopp. That Darwin, they, being Uruguayan doesn't make him the next Luis Suarez. I'm sorry. Uh, there's a piece about Enzo Fernandez that everybody should read. And there is the Media Digest piece. Liverpool open talks with Brazil star as Jurgen Klopp requests 35 million Atletico Madrid transfer. Uh, Van Dijk's dream signing, he said Kevin De Bruyne would be his dream signing, and he is right. I think he's unbelievable, Van Dijk explained. If he would have played at Liverpool, we'd have gone even further. Uh, he's right. If If we had had, if our midfield since 1819 let's say when everything fell into place was KDB Fabinho and Ginny Wijnaldum and then KDB Fabinho and Thiago we would have won the quadruple last year the injuries would still have happened the year before but maybe we'd have been better suited to dealing with them um i think we'd have won the 
Premier League and Champions League in 1920 and the year before. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but I genuinely do believe that we would have three league titles and three European Cups, as well as two domestic Cups and maybe a couple more. That's how special that player is. New contract talks. Liverpool are set to open talks with Bobby Firmino over a new contract, according to Football Insider, who's a spoofer and knows absolutely nothing. Klopp wants 35 million midfielder. Um, apparently, he wants Marcus Lorente. Marcus Lorente is very average. He's very average. Let's just not even consider Marcus Lorente. If we wanted players from Atletico Madrid, Rodrigo de Paul would make a lot of sense, especially if we want to play the 4 4 2, because him as a right sided midfielder in a 4 4 2 would be extraordinary. You play Diaz high and wide in the left, him tucked in on the right with Fabinho and Thiago. And all of a sudden, things make a lot more sense. And his passing range and creativity and goal-getting ability would flourish in that position. The thing that counts against him is his age. Uh, Rodrigo de Paul, if I'm not mistaken, is 28. Rodrigo de Paul is 28. He'll be 29 in May. So that likely rules him out as a potential signing. And... The other one that would make some sense that's rumoured to be available, well, and probably is available because he's had a contract in the summer, is Thomas Lamar. Because Lamar could also play in that right-sided role, but more importantly, he would be an, a different type of option on the left wing. He'll be 27 this month. He would make sense. I think his crossing ability is phenomenal. Him on the left wing, where you have the option of him or Diaz, and they're very different types of options, I think that would be great to have. Um, And he's at a contract in the summer, if I'm not mistaken. He is. Like, if you could find a way to swap Naby for him, I I think that would be quite a clever move. His time at Atleti hasn't gone brilliantly, let's say. Um, But there's no doubting the quality of the player and he was brilliant at Monaco and he's had runs at Atletico where he has been really good last season and in the title winning season he was very good this season he's been iffy 1920 he was garbage is the only way to describe it but his first season was all right he didn't get the goals that he was expected to get but the goals only really happened in one season it was the Monaco title winning season Other than that, he's more a playmaker than a goal-getter. And his crossing ability is right up there with the very, very best. And with Darwin Nunes now up front, we have a real target. He also takes some of the best set pieces in Europe when it comes to delivery. Not shooting, but delivery. And I think he could make a lot of sense. He's also super versatile. He's played everywhere in his career. Left-back, midfield, Attacking midfield, he's played off a striker, he's played right wing, right side midfield. He played as a holding midfielder early in his career a couple of times. Didn't go great uh, from memory when he was at Cannes, but uh, I think they lost 4 0 or 5 1 in the game that he played holding midfield. But I remember watching and thinking the guy can play, just can't play that position. Um, Yeah, Rodrigo de Paul and Thomas Lamar. There's nobody else at the Letty that would really interest me all that much. I know people will say, 
Joe Felix. But the issue with Joe Felix is he doesn't really fit into either the 4-3-3 or the 4-4-2 unless you stick Mo wide on the right. And that is a waste of what Salah offers. And as Salah ages, you want to get him more centrally and play him with Darwin in a two. So there's no real spot for Joe. And yeah, you could play a diamond with Joe in behind them. But then what do you do with Diaz? There's no role for Diaz in a diamond. Unless you say that you're going to have Darwin, Jota as your nines, and then Salah, Diaz as your sort of 9.5s playing off them. Can you keep them all happy that way? I, I, I don't think you can. Uh, Anfieldindex.com then. There is a piece up entitled The Long-Term Fabinho Replacement. Uh, This piece is written by Stephen Smith, so do give that a read there. There is a piece called Tier 2 Shopping, The Smart Money, written by David Davis, so give that one a read. There is a piece called Succession, which was put together, this is a long piece, put together by Mo Chatra. I haven't read this yet. But it's an extension of Mo's recent thread that he put together on uh, Twitter. Oh, it is actually just the the thread he put together in article form. Okay, so that's clever. That's clever. And the Liverpool crisis, we've been here before. Oh, there's actually another piece here entitled The Firmino Contract, Sense, Not Sentiment. That is also by David Davis. And then The Liverpool Crisis, we've been here before, is by Ed Koosh. Koosh, I'm sorry, Ed. If someone can let me know, (laughs) someone can let me know. Um, All I can see in that is Klopp is wearing the Arsene Wenger jacket. Remember when Wenger kind of became a little bit of a meme with the coat that seemed to get longer and longer and longer. And then Wenger seemed to get taller and taller and taller. And then all of a sudden there's this meme going around where he's 11 foot tall, wearing just this incredibly long coat. That's what this looks like to me. Um, Podcast wise, there is a new Moby on the spot. Jan and Trev back together. There is Rival Recon. Harry Setti's podcast, always a good listen. There is a new Euro incision with Nina and Guy. And the AIP, the Anfield Index podcast, is out tonight. Uh, It is Trev and assorted guests. Oh, it is Guy and Lisa. Trev, Guy and Lisa. So there you go. You can listen to that one out tonight. And that's it. That's it from me. Have a great weekend. Uh, Tomorrow, I'm recording quite a special podcast, a very different podcast to what we normally do here at Anfield Index. But I think in light of uh, recent events within the AI family and the broader global scope of events involving uh, one high-profile athlete and one high-profile musician, I think it's going to be very relevant and very timely. So that's all I'm going to say about it. Uh, we're recording tomorrow. It will probably come out tomorrow afternoon, maybe, tomorrow evening. Uh, but I do hope everybody gives it a listen. 
and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.